0: And welcome to the second grow recap for round eighteen of the Guinness Pro fourteen. This is the new podcast we just started on Thursday with me, Port Kelly and Ushin Collins. Hello, welcome back. So we pretty much suck at predicting results for our provinces.
1: <laughs> yeah, so our predictive abilities which I'm not sure if we ever claimed worth, but I think the whole know your rugby thing might be under some serious scrutiny this week.
0: Uh, we'll just say we got the other three right and that will balance out.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll get to it in time, but I'm not convinced that anybody could have predicted that Asprey's result.
0: No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. So to this week we start with Connacht, then going through all the uh, other provinces starting in order. So Ulster, Munster, then Leinster. And at the end of the episode, we'll have a top performer and a clown of the round.
1: Clown of the round.
0: Just because oh, she wants that name. Please give out in comments if he's awful. I have no problem with that. (laughs) So we'll just start in the sports ground. I was up there. It looked like Uh, the mankiest night ever on telly. The first half wasn't too bad, but the conditions just did turn in the second. It got into that kind of proper half mist, half-rain that the sports ground does so well. (laughs) Yeah, it's raining sideways. (laughs) Pretty much. You know, 5,000 there wasn't too bad, which is a really bad game.
1: I don't know if it was Borik. I mean, like there was a pretty chronic fifteen minutes there. Like the first five and the last ten weren't great, but there was some there was some decent attacking patterns.
0: But like uh, for me being there, we played all the rugby, and it's really frustrating when you're genuinely on top, you're playing better rugby, your hands are better, everything we seemed to do was better than Edinburgh, but we were just so ridiculously stupid.
1: Yeah, it was a scrappy game and the um the defending from Connacht, anytime time it went away from patterns or anytime you got kind of broken play, you were you were so sloppy in defence.
0: It's actually really scary how bad we are in defence when Mundy Bundy's not around.
1: Is that what it is? Is he is he just your defensive line speed leader and nobody else knows what they're supposed to be doing?
0: I don't know. Like I, I can't say I know enough about defensive structures to say I know why that is. I think that without Bundy and John Muldoon, there's two big figureheads there and suddenly everyone's kind of looking around. And Tierden, you can hear when you're there, you know, giving orders and trying to organise stuff. But I think at fullback, you're just a bit too far away to have real impact in a defence system.
1: Yeah, well, certainly in terms of getting that initial front-off and line speed, maybe about you know, watching for kicks and stuff. But, well, the other side of it is two of your big hitters, like your second rows were poor. Um, Quin, Quinru is just a, a vending machine for penalties like the guy the guy just gives away penalty after penalty at ruck after ruck and doesn't seem to know when he's supposed to have his hands on the ball, when he's supposed to be getting his hands out of there and getting back into the line
0: which is the complete polar opposite of what he does when he's playing for Ireland he is a saint that hits rucks and is perfect for Ireland but he comes back to us and it's just gone
1: that dude I hadn't heard of um, the traveling. Torbury. yeah, he. That was
0: his best um, performance in a Cardiff jersey so far.
1: <laughs> I don't have all that much hope for him. Then he was invisible for the entire first half. I
0: oh, know there's definitely something there. Like there's definitely something there with him. Like our line-out was it one of his better weeks this season? So I'm not sure if that's him or McCartney or where that was fixed this week. But there's something there that made it work better.
1: I I just I thought I thought they weren't adding a whole lot to the game. Um, which was a weird contrast. Your back row, despite my kind of concerns about whether or not Sean O'Brien was an eight or not, and whether McKeown should be sitting in there. Like they just they just played all over the pitch and they, they were pretty pretty comfortable, I think. Um they just got outplayed by Edinburgh's back row.
0: They were always gonna play well. I think off Scrums, McKeon's better at eight, like uh from breaking wise and ball in hand. So that's why I'm so surprised at the um, the number switch but because they play very similarly anyway, so it doesn't really matter for the rest of the game where they are.
1: Maybe, but I, I don't know. I just maybe it's part of part of that defensive alignment and a roles thing. Like if you're if you're moving players among that back row, do they know what they're supposed to be doing? And I think that was if there was a bit of a gap. Edinburgh back row were strong though. Like
0: Yeah, but that's like I said on, on Thursday, Edinburgh will outwork you. And they outworked us. Every ruck was contested and messy and we had no answer to it.
1: You're, well, the problem was when you could get clean ball, you got good variation off Carty. Like there was a couple of nice um, loop moves. There was some kicking. There was a bit of variation between going left to right and switching back the direction of attack. So I thought and it, it looked like it was mostly coming from Carty rather than blade or um, or Farrell in the
0: center. I would like to see Mitchell on with um, Carty. I think his quicker passing would have really suited
1: Mitchell. Suited Mitchell was your sub-nine, was it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well,
0: it, and coming it, on that stage was just crazy, especially for Carroti. That was just the most stupid decision I've ever seen a management make in terms of substitutions.
1: Well, Farrell was playing really well. I mean, he was making ground in the, in the carry, and he, because a couple of lovely passes back inside. McCone had a re actually, the, the, ball, the ball back inside from McCone for O'Halloran's try was lovely.
0: Oh, it was beautiful. Like, you can that is, that's a trading ground move if I ever saw one. Yeah, 100%. It was Healy was bang average. Himself and Griffin don't seem to get along, do they? Like there's just no <laughs> understanding there whatsoever. Nah,
1: like they made a ball thrown directly at feet and floor was just not on.
0: I was saying on Friday night that um, Haley was poor, a bad ball. I was poor enough. And everyone was going, but he had bad ball. Going, so did he, and he played better. I went, oh yeah, you know, it's was like. He got shovels
1: he got shoveled subload <laughs> of shit on Friday. He really did. And he was just making yards every time he got it, irrespective of how how fast your pack was going backwards. Like again, he got lifted up by the Edinburgh back row and driven backwards about ten meters at one stage, and he still got the ball back out of the rug. And do you know what? The funny thing is, right? Apart from getting charged down by literally the slowest ten in world rugby, you probably won that.
0: And we probably would if we don't consider the fastest try pro fourteen history. Or, like, maybe just do one of those. Don't do both
1: in the same game.
0: Yeah, or not at all. I'd rather do do neither of them, to be perfectly
1: honest. Neither would work. Cameroon, what was the cloud reaction to Clancy? Yeah, he actually seemed pretty solid on the telly.
0: I think a lot of the crowd got caught up. I was really, really annoyed at the end of the game. When you've put yourself in that situation and your supporter team that are chasing to get back ahead, you can feel that every call is against you. And... It really annoyed me at the end. While the players were shaking hands, Clancy was coming off and he got booed off the pitch. And that was just not on. I was just, I was disgusted.
1: There, there have been many occasions where I would boo George Clancy off a pitch, but this wasn't one of them.
0: But like, I don't see the point in booing off any ref off a pitch. I'm not a person here to like, make a big play of like, leave refs alone. But if you're ever in a situation where one ref decision can win or lose you a game, you haven't done enough to win the game. You know, that's my
1: own personal view. So if Connor are going to,
0: finish this season on a high what
1: do they need to do more of and what do they need to cut out
0: they need to just play it better no they just need to be more consistent to be perfectly honest they just need to be more consistent more controlled like once we control the tempo of a game like we did for patches on Friday night we are an incredibly hard team to deal with but the big thing for us is restarts as well on top of that because we just seem to give away stupid penalties after scoring and suddenly we're just given a cheap three away or a cheap score away in some shape or form you're like why? There's no need to put ourselves under that type of pressure. We've just gone 7-up. Why let them back 3? Yeah, don't let them back in the game. Close it out. And that's and that's an issue for the last two years. Not good. No. And speaking of things that aren't good, Cardiff and Ulster!
1: <laughs> this this game was so painful.
0: I literally only caught the really short uh, highlights of the sky and got the tries. And to be perfectly honest, Ulster seemed like they didn't have a defence. the It just was... Really, 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 really poor. There's no structure, just uh, ragged, really ragged. Now, I don't see the four or five phases beforehand, but mm. it just looked really poor. For For
1: me, there was, there was three big big things Ulster weren't able to handle. Ulster weren't able to deal with the big physical carries, like Williams was getting over the game line whenever he wanted to. The 10-12-13 for Cardiff, so it's Jared Evans, Willis Halaholo and Ray Lilo, were... Unbelievable. Like they were so special in terms of their offloading game, in terms of creating space and working together. Like they were extraordinary.
0: But like that's why Lilo's in most people's Pro 14's fancy teams. Look, for, in that team, he stands out a mile as
1: having a, just a huge amount of natural talent. And the, the way that he and um, Halaholo and Evans all play together really works. Like they were able to get in behind the line at will. And that was that for me, it was a tackling technique thing as much as anything else. Like, I think, if so if you saw the highlights, you'll probably confirm this. Out of the four tries or five tries that Cardiff got, how many of those were passes behind the tackle? So player gets tackled, scragged around the waist, arms completely free.
0: For a team that had the ex-Ireland defence coach as their head coach, that's quite embarrassing. If your tackle game, if your approach, if your tactic is,
1: chop players at the legs and bring them down because you want to compete at the breakdown or whatever, fine. Absolutely fine. But when you're getting carved up every time by players getting through the line and releasing little passes on the shoulder, you have to have leadership on the field who will turn around and say, this isn't working, tackle them high and get them on the ground. And it just didn't happen.
0: I just feel that if Ulster did that, they'd give away a million, million penalties for high tackles because their tackle technique could be wrong on the other side. Just based on this year's performances, you know, they're just nothing they're doing is right. They're not fronting up physically. They're getting bet. You know what I mean? I think they're at the start of another five-year rebuild of their pack.
1: From a pack perspective, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of performances from the back line. Like, I thought Cooney, you'll be delighted to hear this. I thought Cooney was good um, out of a pretty average performance. He kicked his goals really well. He just he missed the one, um, but the rest of them, and there's a couple of really tricky kicks in there. He was keeping a bit of pace on the ball. He was looking for players running angles before he was releasing it rather than just chucking the ball anywhere you like.
0: What was Stockdale and Pieto like? You know, Oh. So, you know, after his Player of the Tournament award, was he, did he come back in and bring some of that form? Or... He was good and I, I was impressed because Stockdale's
1: been hot and cold this season for Ulster, which is why there was a bit of grumbling from, from some quarters, but not particularly well-founded grumbling, that um, for a player whose Pro 14 team is languishing in the league and who don't get into the European knockouts, how is this guy walking straight into the Ireland team? Like, he obviously proved his, his point over the course of the Six Nations, but what was nice is he brought some of that form back. Like, every time you saw himself and Pieter linking up down the left wing, there was a real sense of danger. They were getting over the gain line. They, they were working well together. And Camille, look, on behalf of Irish rugby fans everywhere, like, Ulster, please stop playing Ian Henderson in the back row. He is a second row, and you don't get the best out of your pack as a whole playing one of your best players out of position
0: but do ulster have anyone else to play that doesn't problem. matter they
1: like... it doesn't matter it really doesn't just stop playing them out of position because if you keep playing them out of position you're not going to find somebody else like stop it no
0: that's true <laughs> can't disagree with that any, anywhere.
1: but look luckily luckily i'm not an ulster fan um so i was able to put that one out of my mind pretty quickly and move on to the main event
0: uh for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> well like for the for, for me but also for like the only the only one we actually guessed right
0: Munster won won well to be honest so can't really complain if, from a monster perspective
1: you know well I was yeah. I was breaking it when the can't... team got announced because you knew Byrne was going to be in there you reckoned Davies was going to be in there and Shingler into the back row as well and then Patchell and Steph Evans starting as well
0: they came out well league started really slowly like Munster started really slowly like I only caught the TJ highlight show and it was for the first 14 minutes or the first couple of clips they showed which was at the 14 to 20 minute mark on the game clock it was all scarlets
1: but like we only got what, I think there was a stat flashed up in 11 minutes that they'd had 75% of the possession like they, we didn't we didn't touch the ball for the first 10 minutes we barely got it, got it in the first uh, first half an hour so Munster have been criticised all season for having a really narrow defence and like they do the funny thing is i don't think that's an accident i don't think that's like poor positioning from the players like there's a very deliberate effort that we will defend narrow we will blitz up fast we'll beat you with line speed and unfortunately in the first couple of minutes scarlet's one were switched on and they were just able to get the ball around that blitz defense and they were absolutely killing us out wide
0: and you got used to it as the game progressed and they weren't making getting around you as often Why how it seemed anyway but that style of defence is very dangerous if they kind of go, all right, we'll just go a bit deeper then. Yeah, and that means, that, you know, that's when
1: they made real yards, was when they were kind of doing those passes out the back. Not, not even once, but twice in a couple of phases. And like the, the only consolation I had was that if we were blitzing up and then drifting out, there was a bit more trust. because Do you remember, um, what was it in the Ireland game where, oh, I can't even remember who was defending the outside channel, but he stepped in. And it, it, it unleashed whales down the down the left wing because all of a sudden they got a two-on-one because two of our defenders bid in on the one player.
0: That was McFadden, I think. Possibly. He bid in on Bundy's player. Bundy had him. Yes. The yep. offload was going to happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. And McFadden didn't need to jump in because Bundy had him tackled.
1: And that's all about trust. Good. That's all about trust to the player on the inside to make the tackle. And what was really comforting watching this was watching players just focused on their job, watching the man outside, even though there's a dude literally running at your inside shoulder because they know there's a man inside who's going to take him.
0: Yeah, no. So like, at least in that sense, you have a lot to kind of be happier about.
1: Yeah, a lot more to be happy about. Certainly um, of all the provinces the weekend, at least we left with some points, which was good. Um, and I think, but as you said, by half time we managed to more or less suss it out. We, but even still going down two points behind was, was probably a little bit flattering to Munster at that stage.
0: But like, was it first half that Dave is, is kind of lucky not to get yellow carded with a trip? the That was in the
1: second. What a shit house! No, that was in the second half. Um, I think Sam Arnold had kicked through, and to be fair, he ended up doing the most spectacular Superman role. But then, when you looked at the replay, Davies had kind of he kind of just stood across his line, but then he snuck out his uh, his his heel behind and managed to trip him.
0: And it's one of those fine it's fine margins, you know. And I can understand why every Monster fan there was going absolutely mental. But at the same okay. time So I think that was a cumulative. Mitchell.
1: I think that was a cumulative thing. Like Mitreya and the TMO and the touch judges. And again, not to not to put down your ref bashing route, but there were some wildly terrible decisions being made in this game. On both sides, right? It was like it wasn't the whole hometown ref or anti hometown ref, but like in the first fifteen minutes of the game, he must have missed three knock ons and a forward pass in one phase of play. Um, actually, incidentally, our first try wasn't a try, if
0: you ask the proper question. Oh, the James Hartwood, that is such a dodgy try. That's such a dodgy try. But if you ask that as try yes or no, that's not given. Yeah, definitely. That, I agree completely, It's the wrong question.
1: But you got the five from it, so... Oh, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was pleased with the outcome, but when you when you go back and you try... Because there's nothing worse than being that, oh, we didn't get a single decision all day and the other guys got perfectly refereed. Whatever about the double movement, whatever about a tip tackle getting completely missed. On the other side of it, Steph Evans got done for a knock-on, like with ten minutes left on the clock, which was never a knock-on. Like, and he was clear, he was through, and he tried to he tried to get to the ball, and a Munster player panned it back over the line, where I think Arnold caught it and grounded it, and yes. ref, ref gives a five-meter scrum to Munster, which is an This abs- is the backwards call. So that was that was wrong.
0: Um, no, you, I, I just say, you get away with them, you know, like if. If that was any other player than a prop reaching over, that's a try. But because he's got to get the ball from under his body to get it forward, it looks like he's moving again. and That's the only reason that's a double movement, you know, because he's the way he carried the ball to the ground. Because it's he one carried of the it, like, worst prop,
1: TMO decisions I've ever seen. Like, it was so clearly just
0: reaching out to ground the ball. It's like painting a picture, you know, at scrum time and everything. What he does is he gets up to get the ball out. And because he's on his elbow and knee... And then reaches forward. It looks like a double movement. It's yeah. all about painting pictures, it's, that's, and it's that's, only because it, that's just how we landed. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. just how we landed, and like you can see why they came to that, that conclusion. But it worked out because you should have been disallowed the next try from a forward <laughs> pass. So they all work out in the end. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I think
1: we can just say this isn't going to go into Matreya's highlights reel anytime he's trying to get a anytime he's trying to make his case for a World Cup semi final or anything.
0: Just as a question, as as you saw it more, uh, and bringing it back to the boys in green, Copeland, yeah. was he worth his man the match? <laughs> uh, like from the from the half hour highlights I saw, he gave away one penalty, one knock on penalty that we got advantage for, and but he then had a few nice breaks and he finished his try well.
1: Copeland is Copeland is one of those players who. Like he's re- he's really divisive within monster fan circles. Uh, a lot of players don't a lot of, a lot of fans don't rate him. A lot of fans think he's the best thing since sliced bread and can't understand why he's not getting more game time. For me, he is really physical. He's a really good work rate. Um, he he takes his tries as well, um, and he hits guys like um, Jesus. He he hit Reese Patchett like he owed him money. Um, but it, he's decision making and some of the situations he gets himself in are just so unbelievably brainless that I I just cannot cannot stand having him on a pitch because you just know he's guaranteed. And it's not even like, so Quinn Rue, which we were talking about earlier, will give away penalties that you're like, okay, I get why that's happened. Robin Copeland gives away penalties and you're like, how could you possibly, possibly have thought that was a good decision? Like there was one ruck which the ball was pretty much already gone away from. This is just before halftime and he's already given away a penalty this half and he you can literally see him standing at the pillar he takes two or three steps back and then just flies into the ruck to try and clean out a ball that's about to leave the back of it anyway and you're just looking at him you're just looking at it and trying to understand what if anything is going through his head at that moment and it's just it really worries me having him on a pitch cuz he's such a liability but at the same time big runner big physical hitter line out option so oh, i don't know what to think about him
0: so, we you take him the good with the bad? Oh, yeah. So, you think he's a bit braidless And, well, you did. You were missing some, like, experienced players there. So, that didn't really help. Yeah. Although, I have to say, I mean, when you look
1: at the backline monster had out there, there was, there was a lot of young guys. Like, Wooten is only 23. He's kind of in his first season getting a lot of regular game time. Sam Arnold is 21. Calvin Nash is 20 years old. And all of them, I thought, played really well. Like, took their chances, made breaks uh and were defensively aware of where they needed to be like i think nash could be special he was in that same under 20s team that uh james ryan and jordan Larmor played in so i i think uh, he's he's obviously a bit of a slower burner Larmor is the one who's getting the headlines but
0: no come on in james ryan we trust
1: <laughs> no, t- don't get me wrong in james ryan i absolutely trust but uh I think I th- I think Nash is going to hit similar heights to um to what Lamar is doing when he kind of breaks into the team and just makes sure he ups his level. But uh, it's been it's been great, and I mean I think it, it shows a lot of promise and it shows a lot of potential.
0: And speaking of Lamar and the boys in blue, they're like, there's no team want to help Connock this week at all. You know,
1: <laughs> you guys are frantically trying to win a match, and in the meantime, everybody is losing every game around them to, just just to it's, hurt you guys.
0: It's just annoying. Like from the bits I saw, Leinster were just, were they still in Dublin? Were they just still in Dublin? Because that's the only explanation I have for how they were playing.
1: Maybe they were listening to your preview podcast and they thought the game was in Dublin. So you just screwed them up completely.
0: That could be it. Because I did think of idea <laughs> for some
1: reason. Um, all right, look, so I, I, I'll put my hands up. I predicted this absolutely wrong. But to be fair, right, the Ospreys have quality players who have not put a performance together all year. Like, they have scored the least number of tries behind Zebre, behind the Kings, behind the Dragons in the Pro 14 this year. So I actually think the Leinster coaching team are going to be livid this week.
0: From what I saw from the Teach Care highlights was the forest didn't front up. The lads who were from the internationals who came in seemed to be still in holiday mode and they weren't gelled with the team. And the kicking was just so loose. You don't kick loose the damn bigger. That's just insane.
1: So... I was, I was I was actually chatting to my dad about this and he was of a similar opinion. I think the Ospreys were better than Leinster were bad. Um, don't get me wrong, Leinster were absolutely nothing special, but the Ospreys turned it on in a big way that they
0: haven't done all year. To to a point, I want to say Leinster made Ospreys look good because some of the tries were just soft. Yeah, But then at the same time, when you end up in a backline that has Gibson Park at full back, you know... Carberry's then at 12 and you're used all, and Burns back on the wing mm. you know their back their backline was all over the shop and rightfully so they weren't
1: helped by that injury mini crisis in the game and apart from the fact that it's disruptive in isolation you know Noel Reid was playing poorly and when he came off and Dave Kearney went on that probably improved the standards a little bit but McFadden was playing really well like he had been making a lot of impactful tackles and carries so losing him was a real blow like for me, the Ospreys were good. Their back row was far more, far more in the game. Tipperick was excellent. Like he was just outstanding. Bigger was playing with a bit of confidence, which I haven't seen as well.
0: Ospreys were winning the won the kicking battles. You know, like those certain battles that Ospreys just won, and you have got to tip your hat to them for just being better at certain but times. Tip your hat, nice one. I'm going to pretend I know what that was about. tip idiot. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um,
1: no, like, I just think the Ospreys did a good job of moving Leinster around. Like Bigger was changing the point of attack and creating space well. And as strange a sentence as this is to say, they were really clinical under their own players.
0: I think that was, like, to me, that seems player-led than anything else. Like, everyone there has kind of gone, all oh, right, we've been a bit rubbish this season, we better cop on. You know, like there's nothing to show what they've done up to this point was leading to this. So you know? players lifting the standards, which is nothing which is, is the opposite
1: of what we saw from Leinster this week. Because you know, I just look looking at even in I, I kind of went away and had a look at the stats because I was trying to figure out where where Leinster lost this game as well. And you've got players like McGrath, Cronin, um, Jack Conan, Jordy Murphy, who who literally made two carries each for not really significant meters and. In a game where you're getting killed or you're away from home, you're expecting those guys to be ball carriers, like particularly Conan and, and Jordy Murphy, are, are you're expecting them to truck a lot of ball up. Like two carries each is nothing. Le- Leinster, about 10 minutes left to play, maybe a little more than 10 minutes. Leinster were camped on Osprey's five-meter line. They had a, a line out and they pulled a driving mall, pushing it towards the line, managed to get disrupted and turned over. That doesn't happen with Dan Levy on the pitch. Um,
0: that doesn't happen with Toner on the pitch. Yeah, Toner in the mall.
1: No, exactly. That just doesn't happen. So you put you put a proper team out there that doesn't get disrupted. But equally, they then went from that and over the next ten minutes conceded another two mall turnovers. You look at the mentality that Johnny Sexton brings. These guys are winners, right? Dan Levy is a Six Nations champion now, but he's a gritty, gritty player. Same thing with with a lot of the players Leinster were missing this week. You have them on the pitch for the last ten minutes of that game. I think they beat the Ospreys.
0: Definitely. That's without question. And things that were without question, we got the other results right. <laughs>
1: yeah, so may- maybe not a good week for our ability to read the Irish provinces, our stated area of expertise, but we've managed it for the rest of them, okay.
0: Yeah, Glasgow we knew with Hammer's Ep, that was kind of just a given. Yeah, but you know, some ten, of their tries are really good. Ten tries, like <laughs> So she has got a bonus point win against dragons, you know, ragged which we kinda of saw, you know, dragons have a ragged defence and Cheetahs are always going to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I don't think we were expecting much from that game. Um, not particularly high scoring, but they got the bonus point, which is kind of job done from a Cheetahs perspective, and keeps just keeps the pressure on if they're in terms of their hunt for for knockout rugby within the end of the season.
0: I would put money on them coming third, especially because they've got a few home games there to kind of just eke them out of that uh, reach of the teams below them.
1: Yeah, very much so. Which would be interesting. I mean that that looks likely to be then a trip to. Either Leinster or Scarlets, which would be a hell of a
0: match. I like. I saw the highlights of the Treviso Kings match, but like it was from the highlights, it seemed like an, a scrappy but entertaining game. You know, Treviso won, but Kings to get thirty five.
1: Like this is one of these Super Rugby scores of you know teams who can't defend, just running tries in by the look of it.
0: So uh, we're going to get to our top performer and clown the round now. This will be a segment at, at the end of each one of these recap. Um, podcasts so I didn't see all the matches so I can kind of only make educated guesses from between the little bits I've picked up and read everywhere uh do you want to start with top performer or clown
1: Ooh, uh we'll go with top performer we'll try and do the positive thing first
0: Um, all right so we're going to end on a low lovely
1: (laughs) yeah that'll do so uh I don't like for for me I had a look at a couple of the players like Adia Loken was strong and made a lot of ground off stinky ball but I kind of went with sean klein for for me he outshone robin copeland in that monster game he made a ton of carries he was tackling like a monster and he was rucking scarlets off the ball like they turned up at his kids party and took a slash in the paddling pool like he was absolutely vicious um which is great exactly what you want
0: oh yeah like i'm not surprised you've kind of gone for someone like that you do like someone who gets really stuck in does that nitty-gritty so i'm really not surprised you've kind of gone down that route
1: yeah, never, never one for the flash, uh, the flash kid who scores two or three tries. But uh, cer- certainly of the Irish teams playing this weekend, jean Klein stood for me as a as having made serious impact.
0: Yeah, and like given what the results in the other three matches, it'd be kind of hard push to call it from the other three teams. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so our cloud around. Uh, I, can I just give it to the Connacht kicking in the first and end of the match? Can I just k- give it to those two awful kicks and those awful blockdowns? Can we just give it to that? It. It's, the fir-
1: just... it's the first time we've done this segment that you've decided to break the rules. Yes, the clown of the mound, the the clown of the round is Connacht's exit kicking in the 22.
0: Yeah, that, that whole thing. That's just, that's the clown of the round. I think we, not refs, not anyone else. It's just that because that was the losing of the game for us. It was so stupid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, top performers on Klein, clown of the round, kind of trying to exit their own 22, being blocked down and chased down on one occasion by the slowest man ever to wear a 10 jersey, Duncan Weir. But I'm sure there are other clowns out there. There are other top performers. Uh, let us know what you think on the Second Rose Facebook page or Twitter page. Uh, I'm sure we've missed something. And by all means, feel free to correct us.
0: So that's us for this week. Thank you, Oshie. You're very welcome, Park. No oh, problem. And on our next episode, we'll be previewing Colloch's uh, trip to the Ospreys and Ulster take on Edinburgh uh, Murrayfield on the Friday night. So we'll have team lists and everything to go through for that. And on the Saturday, Leinster will host Zebra. God help them. And Munster will be in, on tour to the Kings. God help them as well. We'll be releasing our next episode on Friday, the 6th of April, previewing all those four games. Reach out to us on Facebook, we'll be releasing our next episode on friday 6th of april previewing those four games reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on twitter where we're at the second row that's the number two and d not the word second until next time take care bye